Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day. It's so good to be with you on this Father's Day. This morning, we'll be concluding our Sermon on the Mount sermon series. And so we will be looking at um, what scholars refer to as the Beatitudes. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 3 to 10 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 10. And this is Jesus speaking. And listen carefully to what Jesus says. He says this. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so what is Jesus saying here? There are two schools of thought. There is this one school of thought that says that these are ideals for the Christian to live by, standards for the believer, attitudes for the follower of Christ to have, character traits, marks of a Christian. And here's the problem with with this uh, approach. The real danger, we we actually, uh, there is a very dangerous approach because We make these to be conditional statements. They become if-then statements. Like if I do my chores, I get an allowance. If I am good, then I am rewarded. If-then statements. And here's the danger with that. The danger is that our focus is going to be about Good works versus God's grace. And the danger with that is that we can actually empty the cross of Jesus Christ of its power. Very dangerous. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 2. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so there's another approach, another school of thought. And for this school of thought, in order to understand these Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus' words in verse 3 to 10, that we actually have to take a backwards look all the way back to the book of Isaiah and Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. And listen carefully to Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. It says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so, are these ideals for the Christian to live by? Are these standards and attitudes and and character traits of the Christian? No. And so then, what is Isaiah 61 talking about? If you remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is at the synagogue, he's at the temple, and he stands up. And this scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, is handed to Jesus. And Jesus unrolls the scroll, and he unrolls the scroll to this passage here, and he begins to read it aloud. He begins to actually proclaim to the world his mission. This, was, this is Jesus' Jesus's mission statement here. This is Jesus saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then on the pages that follow, we read about Jesus doing what he said he was going to do. And so perhaps Matthew chapter 5 is less about us and more about God, less about us trying to live up to these ideals, live up to these attitudes, these standards, these character traits, and more about God's active deliverance, God's active involvement in delivering and rescuing and setting free, and comforting, and healing, and making things right. And so if that's the case, consider this with me. Consider these two groupings with me. We have this grouping that's God's active deliverance, and this grouping that's God's kingdom. And this, in this God's kingdom grouping, perhaps what Jesus is saying is, this is how the kingdom of God looks like. In the kingdom of God, those who mourn are comforted. In the kingdom of God, the meek will inherit the earth. In the kingdom of God, those to, who hunger for doing right, doing justice, they will be satisfied and filled. In the kingdom of God, people are shown mercy. In the kingdom of God, the pure in heart will see God. In the kingdom of God, peacemakers will be called children of God. And the faithful will be members of the kingdom of God. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is like, this is just the beginning of what the kingdom of God looks like. And then, now let's take a look at this God's active deliverance grouping. What's this grouping all about? 
Perhaps what Jesus is saying here is that he's saying, here is where God is active. Here is where God is actively involved in rescuing, in delivering, in comforting, in healing, in making things right. And again, not an exhaustive list, just the beginning of what that might look like, God's active deliverance. Now watch this. The person that finds himself or herself in this God's active deliverance grouping is blessed. Why? Because God is actively involved in that person's situation and in that person's life. And so if you find yourself in this grouping, maybe you're poor in spirit, maybe you're mourning, maybe you're, you're meek or hungering and thirsting for righteousness, guess what? You're blessed. Because God is actively involved in your life and in your situation. You are blessed. The favor of God is upon you. Now, pastor, all this looks nice and sounds interesting, but how does this apply to my life? I'm glad you asked. Consider this. In a natural disaster or a major crisis, it's all hands on deck. People and resources and agencies are mobilized. Rescue workers are mobilized. EMS and police and fire mobilized. The military and National Guard, they're mobilized. Command center mobilized. The mayor's office and governor's office mobilized. Even, even, the, um, even the hospitals and, and the emergency room staff, everyone, they're mobilized. Even the electric company staff, the board of water supply staff, heavy machine operators all mobilized when there's a major crisis or a major disaster. Now, in the event of a natural disaster or a major crisis, when people and resources and agencies are mobilized, it's kind of chaotic. It's kind of overwhelming. And here's the thing. You can't do everything. You can't do everything. In fact, you are not supposed to do everything. Rather, you stay in your lane. You let others do their part. And you do your part. Every agency has their role and their responsibility. You stay in your lane. You let others do their part and you do your part. Now, if you look with spiritual eyes, you'll see that we live in a world that is in spiritual crisis. And we need spiritual rescue workers mobilized. Jesus says it this way. He says, the harvest is truly 
plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I kind of say it this way, the crisis is extensive, but the spiritual rescue workers are few. As ambassadors for Christ, I believe we are all called to be spiritual rescue workers, mobilized to engage and participate in God's active deliverance. That we're supposed to identify where God is actively rescuing and delivering and that we are to participate in ushering in God's kingdom into that situation. But there are so many that are in need of help. How do I know who I'm to help and how do I know to what extent I'm to help? Well, this is what I do. I do the three Ds. You know how um, when, uh, for CPR, uh, for when you, I think... Uh, is this CPR? The a- no, ABC is what? Fire extinguisher. No, is it? The ABC is a fire... No, air. B is breathe. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like CPR stuff. Yeah, see, I'm right. ABCs, right? <laughs> CPR, yeah. Well, this is my three Ds. Um, so three, the three Ds that I have is develop relationships, discover stories, and then discern next steps. And so... Let me, um, and so when I say discern next steps, I, this is when I consider the Beatitudes and, and think about the Beatitudes and, and, and what the implications are, the application of it is. And so let me just share a, a few stories and I think it'll make a little bit more sense, okay? And so the first story is uh, Dan and Lily Suzuki. And Dan and Lily, where is a Jerry anyway? Well, Jerry's sitting back there, but Jerry and Dan and Lily Suzuki usually sit right here. Um, Dan and Lily Suzuki, uh, great members of our church, uh, they're, um, they're in their 80s right now, and uh, they don't look in their 80s. They, they look gracious and radiant and beautiful. And, um, and so I've gotten to know them pretty well. I've developed a relationship with them. I've discovered their stories. I mean, we've actually... Uh, had meals together. We chat on the phone. We talk about life. And um, so the first two Ds are check. Not that uh, people are check marks, but um, in my mind, the first two Ds, man, we're good. We have a good relationship. They know my story. I know their story. Well, a couple months ago, they made this very huge life decision. They made the decision to downsize, to sell their beautiful home right here in Eva Beach and, and to move all the way to Kaneohe and live at a senior living community. And for Dan and Lily, it's been stressful. Moving and downsizing, it's stressful. It's tiring. I mean, the accumulation of all these things over the years and, and what do you get rid of what do you give away? What do you keep? You know, it's so stressful, and they, they were stressed out. And so as an ambassador of Christ, I'm discerning next steps. I know that God is actively involved in delivering 
And so I'm asking, man, I want to get involved. If you're in it, I want to be in it, Lord. And so, Lord, please mobilize me. How can I get involved in your activity of releasing and blessing and delivering uh, Dan and Lily? And I, I, I sense the Lord say this. The Lord said, stand by. And I'm like, say what, dude? Like, stand by? I mean, it's okay to say, say what to the Lord? I mean, he'll ha- he can handle it. Because I'm thinking, man, I, I, I want to move boxes. I want to help clean. I want to help cook meals for them while, because they must be really tired. I, I want to help, like, chuck some rubbish to the dumpster right out here in Eva Beach. I want to help. And, and, and the Lord says, stand by. And I've been patiently, impatiently actually, standing by, trying to stay in my lane, let others do their part, and I do my part. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Lily calls me up and she says, hey, pastor, I need your help. And I'm like, dude, finally. Well, I don't say dude, but I say, sweet Lily, finally. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here, what, what, what do you need? I'm willing to help. And she says, would you be willing to drive over to Kaneohe and bless my new home, my new apartment? And I'm like, absolutely. It would be my pleasure to do that. And so last week, uh, Matt and I, we drove over and we blessed their home and we spent uh, time with them. It, we had a wonderful time, and uh, I'm glad I was able to participate in ushering God's kingdom into their lives and into their situation. So that's just one example of how I think about the Beatitudes and uh, how I think about the three Ds. Let me give you another example. This one didn't turn out so well, but, but there's a reason why I want to share this one with you. I have a friend that moved from Hawaii to the mainland. And it, and it has been a miserable experience, just horrible. And I just feel terrible for this friend. And so earlier this month, this friend emails me and says, I can't live here in the mainland anymore. I'm coming back to Hawaii. I already bought a plane ticket. I'll be arriving on Monday, but I don't have a place to stay. And so, can I ask a favor? Can I stay with you and Imelda for several months until I get settled and find a place of my own? I'm willing to pay rent. I'm desperate. And you are my last resort. And so I read this email, and I'm ready to respond with, man, yes, absolutely. I just need to check with my wife. But I know her heart. I know what my wife's heart. And she would say yes, absolutely, in a heartbeat. But I had a sense that I should probably take a moment and go through this process. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, okay. Well, develop relationships, check mark. Discover stories, yep, check. Discern next steps. Is God actively involved in this situation? Absolutely. Check. Okay. And so, Lord, are you mobilizing me to participate in your active deliverance to usher in your kingdom? And you won't believe this. 
But I sense the Lord say, no. Now I'm anguishing over this, no. I'm seeking the Lord over this. And the Lord's response is still, no. And so with a torn heart, I respond with the nicest email possible that unfortunately the answer is no. And that was hard. And I share this example to point out that life is complex. Decisions are not always easy and sometimes even beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. But if God's active deliverance is in it, then I have to trust God that he will send another rescue worker to usher in God's kingdom into this friend's situation. And I need to stay in my lane. Let others do their part. And I do my part. So that's another example of how I think about the Beatitudes and how I think about the three Ds. And one more example. Well, actually two more. So three years ago, the doctor told my mother-in-law that her kidneys are not doing good at all and that she would need to start dialysis right away. And so mom has been on dialysis ever since. Mom is also diabetic, and so she needs to take a blood glucose reading every morning and inject herself with insulin. Then she has a bunch of medications that she takes for various health challenges. Well, just a couple weeks ago, mom's health started deteriorating rapidly. Her blood glucose levels were off the charts. She could hardly walk on her own. And so we took her into the ER several times. And so the doctor is concerned. We are concerned. My mother-in-law is this beautiful and strong and independent woman, and she's been like that all her life. But it's obvious that she needs help. My wife and I look at each other and we don't even have to go through this process and we already know that we have to move mom in to live with us so that we can take care of her and, and be the agents that usher in God's kingdom into her life, into her situation. So we moved mom in to live with us about a week and a half ago. I mean, it's, well, it's amazing to see my wife. She is amazing. I mean, she's so kind and patient and loving in the way that she cares for her mom. But it's been challenging. And we're just trying to do our best. Now watch this. If I said yes to that friend that sent me that email saying um, that, that, that this friend wanted to moved back to Hawaii and needed a place to stay. And it was only like a few weeks prior. If I said yes, if I didn't stay in my lane, if I said yes, we wouldn't have been able to move mom in 
to live with us so that we could take care of her. And I just share this story to point out that this process of thinking about the Beatitudes, thinking about God's active deliverance and and ushering in God's kingdom into situations, uh, thinking about the three Ds of developing relationships and discovering stories and discerning next steps, uh, especially discerning next steps, that these are absolutely critical. Let me conclude with one more story. This is not my story, but I got permission to share this story. And so Jordan, who's usually on the keyboard, our young, handsome keyboard player, he's uh, 21 years old now. Uh, That's Jordan. And uh, his mom's name is Denny. And they couldn't be here today. They are on a staycation in Waikiki, but they gave me permission to tell their story about seven, eight, nine years ago, Denny was working at this group home, this group home for troubled teenagers, troubled teenage boys, those that have broken the law and have been sent there by the court system. And so Jordan is here as, at this group home, and he's a troubled 14-year-old living there in this group home. He's broken. He feels alone and abandoned. He is hurting. He is poor in spirit. He is in need of love and acceptance, in need of mercy, in need of the peace of God. Now watch this video of God mobilizing Denny to usher in God's kingdom into a situation where God was actively involved. Take a look at this. Matthew 5, verses 3 to 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray.